Welcome to the second half of today's Mountain Talk. Today, we're heading to Huntington, West Virginia at the confluence of the Ohio River, catty corner to the states of Ohio and Kentucky. Driving in from eastern Kentucky, the back roads and soft hills give way to the massive oil refinery complex along I-64, its turrets and towers spitting fire into the air. You're in Appalachia, the hills say, but, says the refinery, you're in the Rust Belt too. Huntington is an industrial town, and its workers are proud of that. This, is a, this has always been a big union town. Uh, my dad was a union man, steel worker. That's Yvonne Brooks, a secretary at Cabell Huntington Hospital. We were in front of her strike tent on a wet day in November, a month after 1,000 hospital workers walked out on November 1st, after the hospital proposed a new contract that would reduce employee health benefits. Also in Huntington, 450 members of United Steelworkers Local 40 had been on strike at the Warren Buffett-owned Special Metals Alloy Plant since the beginning of October, for essentially the same reason. The West Virginia labor movement is best known for activity around the coal industry with the storied mine wars and the early United Mine Workers Association. Today, you'll see how West Virginia workers and other industries are reacting to the pressures of the times. For today's Mountain Talk, we're going to visit these two picket lines, 10 minutes down the road from each other, on a single November day. All perspectives shared reflect the thoughts and opinions of striking workers at Cabell Huntington Hospital and Special Metals. In the USW Local 40 Union Hall, strikers gathered at lunchtime to pick up a cup of hot chili and a moment in the warmth. I mean, and, and like in previous, I mean, the last time we were on strike was 1999, um, and I was here then too. We were out for 11 weeks, 12 weeks. But Chad Thompson is the local president. Between conference calls, he told me what had upset everyone enough to strike. This time, they, they just wasn't like there wasn't the willingness to even attempt to get there. Um, I mean, the one of their proposals for like insurance, for example, was. We'd be paying uh, like four times the premium than what we are right now. And, you know, you just can't, with zero wages on the table. So, you know, you can't afford to go back to that. I mean, just, that's just, you know, it's too much. So, and they've, they've just never done this. So I guess that's what's different. They just, they've never come after everything that they're coming after now and the amounts that they're, that they're coming after. Of course, they, they were no wages on the table. Um, they started off in either in any year of the contract, they offered zero wages increases. Um, our insurance was like so going to raise maybe you know, three, three to four times what we're paying right now in premiums. Um, there, no, there was big changes in, in as far as the coverage, but there there was some. Um, they wanted to reduce uh, vacation time that you had. They wanted to take away the vacation that we take. We could take a day at a time. They wanted all your vacation, you had to take them the whole week or you didn't have any. Um, and there's, after you're there so, so long, you're able to take a day at a time vacations. Uh, if you got a dentist appointment or whatever. And then the way that they, uh, the way we assign jobs throughout the plant, um, temporarily assign people to work different jobs, they wanted to change how that worked and the amount of time that you could be temporarily assigned on a job. And the way they go about deciding who goes to what job. I mean, there's qualifications. You know, we want to make sure that, that people are trained, qualified, 
when they when they get assigned to a job, and you know they're going they're not going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, or and then all those protocols are in place. You know the training and and when you start, you know taking some of that away or just saying you know we get to pick whoever we want when we want to work whatever job we want. You know we don't even know if that guy's trained or qualified to work the job. You know so and there's a lot of you know a lot of stuff where you can get killed pretty pretty quick. So um, you know we want to make sure that with somebody, when they move somebody that. They know what they're doing and they can do the job safely and not hurt themselves or other people or damage the product or equipment or anything else. Um, but that's, that's the uh, retiree life insurance was an issue. Um, they wanted to stop uh, paying into where retirees, once you retired, you wouldn't have any life insurance. Like now when you retire, it reduces. Um, you don't have as much as what you are when you're working. Uh, maybe September 13th or something like that is when we started meeting um, to negotiate with the company, and and it always starts, you know, slow. You always, you know, you're way far apart on everything. And September 30th, you know, at midnight, the contract was up, and at that time we were really no closer to getting an agreement than we were a week previous. I mean, there were some things that moved off and had gotten better on both sides, but. The, the stuff I just talked about, none of it really got better. It was still, you know, almost where they started. Um, so at midnight that night, we, um, we we notified the company, of course, and offered a safe and orderly shutdown. Uh, they rejected it. They didn't. They wanted to, to keep the facility running or try to run it. Um, so at midnight that night, we, you know, of course, texted everybody and and called and made sure everybody was aware of what was going. Of course, everybody knew the contract was up, but. And at midnight, we, you know, walk people out. And, you know, we've been on truck ever since. We set picket lines up that night immediately. Um, and we've manned them 24 hours a day, seven days a week since. Um, my name is Greg Elkins. I am a pipe fitter with special metals in the melting department. I'm curious about how long you've been working there and whether things have changed over the time that you worked there? Uh, I've been there for 27 years almost and uh, been in maintenance for almost 16. And there was a time when it was very different. But there are things that have improved and there are things that have gotten worse. Uh, for example, we now have a rule that we are only required to work as uh, 12 hours of overtime. Beyond that, the company has to have special circumstances happening to go beyond that. And we have a 12-day rule in place where if you work 12 days in a row, you uh, are able to take the next two days off at your, if you so choose. But uh, there was a time when there were none of those rules and we were working 80 and 90, 100 hours a, a week. And that part, that part did improve, but they're wanting to cut into that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty frustrating really, uh, knowing that they're bringing people that shouldn't be running our equipment. And from what we so you take that have what heard, they're, uh, they're starting to learn that our equipment is different from equipment everywhere else. Our equipment is made to run steel, 
and we're trying to run alloy on it. And we've been pretty successful at doing it as long as we can keep it up. Um, they haven't actually interacted with us very much other than yelling back and forth at each other, uh, which is naturally going to happen. It's, it hasn't been really bad. Uh, now they do, every time somebody comes up to the gate, one of us, or when we happen to stop by, they'll make sure they get out of their car and aim a video camera at us and video everything that happens. Elkins says workers have come in to replace the strikers. He says they're not properly trained in an environment where mistakes can cost your life. It's Francis Barker, but everybody calls me Fran. And what do you do in the plant? Um, I actually work in cold draw department, um, and I run the pickle line operator in the pickle house, and I'm also on the ERT team, as well as co-chair for the women of steel within our union. The ERT team, what's that? Emergency response team. Oh wow, so what do you do, what do you do with the ERT team? Um, if that? there's a fire, accident, anything in the plant, we respond to it. So you probably know a lot about the risks of, of yes. working in this plant. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? What's at uh, stake? Like the most common ones, slips, trips, and falls are the most common, you know, um, because we do work with chemicals, metal. So if they're in, in the walkways, you have to watch for the overhead cranes because they're carrying the metal over top of your heads. You know, you just have to watch for all those accident factors because <laughs> there's a lot of them. The thing that upsets me the most is right before the strike, we had a plant-wide shutdown for safety and things weren't fixed. Like we were promised they would get fixed. That's the whole reason for the shutdown. Nothing got fixed. So how do you expect us to work safely if you can't provide us equipment that's safe or the equipment or safety items we need to work safely. It's unfair. Okay, so me and Melanie um, actually come in daily um, and we cook breakfast, then we go do gate checks, come back, um, organize more of the pantry, get unload donations, help with wood, um, then we go back, feed lunch, cook it here, and then we go back out to the picket line and do gate checks, come back. Um, me and Melanie also are working on the Thanksgiving baskets for our union brothers and sisters. Um, the angel tree, working on that, getting our brothers and sisters to fill out the forms because we do have other unions that are going to take the forms and help us with Christmas. So we've been working on that. Um, and then the nights and weekends that there is nobody on the picket line, we actually go to the picket line as well. So we're not just in the union hall, we're doing both. Fair labor for my union brothers and sisters present and future because we do have all the future generations coming up and we right before the um, strike we did have a large chunk that was laid off and they were of the younger generation like my children's ages you know what I mean like in the 19 to 22 range a good chunk of them were in that range they got laid off so that's our future you know, they're coming into the plant, they're trying to learn the trades. So we got to make sure that they're protected when they do come back, get into the union, that they have 
good job, good pay, and safety. They have no worries. Do you know why they were laid off? It was just, it like, we don't get told why they do the layoffs. We don't. We are just as surprised as they are when it happens. Well, it's crazy. <laughs> um, my name is Melanie Sass. I am a VIM helper at the plant, and I help build charges for VIM. Uh, we take a 364 truck, and I rotate metal into small cans and then we mix other stuff with it to build the charge that we need to make the special metal. What are the challenges of being on strike that people might not know about and what, what's the good stuff that people might not know about? Well the bad stuff is not having money to pay your bills, not being able to get help from you know say you have a medical problem you know not having that insurance, that means a lot. I mean, insurance is, is everything to some of us. Because some of the families has got some very bad health issues. But, and on the positive side, it's drawn a lot of people together. Made us a lot stronger than, you know, they normally would be. So we, we've learned to become more bonded as a family. Makes it worth it. What are you fighting for? I'm fighting for my job and a decent wage. Health care. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. They, th they think that we make a lot of money at the plant and we don't. You know, I was a single mother and trying to get two kids through college. It took everything I had. I worked seven days a week, sometimes 100 hours a week, trying to get this stuff done and then to go. I got them both through college, but yeah, I think it's political, but I mean, I don't do politics. I mean, I just, I, I just want to have a good job and, and be able to work and trust the people I work for. Right now, I don't trust them. Uh, there is no faith, there is no trust. I'm more and more worried right now about my union family than I am my own. And that that's kind of sad to say, but I'm trying to keep them warm, um, to feed them. I know my son that lives with me is getting fed and he has a warm place to stay. My union brother's out here underneath these canopies. You know, if they need wood, I take them wood. If they need food, I take them food. Uh, and I guess that kind of stresses me a little bit. You know, them being out in the weather and when we could be in working, making, making a living. That's all I want to do is make an honest living. After visiting the Union Hall, I drove down the road to Cavill Huntington Hospital, where the SEIU strike was actively underway. There were encampments set up at each hospital entrance. In the morning, I was told, was when everybody had the most energy to sing and chant. By the afternoon, it was time to huddle together for warmth while making signs and decorating tents. Like a bike. 
Dozens of workers were set up at 24-hour tents and tarps, burning logs in metal barrels to keep warm. Down the road, workers' kids played cornhole on the sidewalk. The big, white strike tent was set up down the road. Thanks to SEIU fundraising, the tent was heated, generators running, and stocked with food. Here's organizer Sherry McKinney. Obviously, with technology, everything changes, but the number of healthcare workers across this country right now that are either forming unions or going on strike is something I've never seen in my lifetime with the union. Um, the pandemic opened a lot of eyes for healthcare workers. They were treated completely different than other workers. Um, service workers in general were not didn't get the same shake that, that other folks got. They were cut out of the 10 days off if they contracted COVID. Um, they went in negative hours on sick time, even when they were exposed at work. Like they were totally, they risked their lives every single day um, to take care of patients. And they put their own lives and their own families at risk only to not be treated the same as everyone else. So it was, it's sad to watch people go through it. Um, some people pulled through it great. We lost members. Um, it, it was a tough time to be a healthcare worker in this country. It's still a tough time to be a healthcare worker. The shortage of nurses, the shortage of techs, the shortage of, shortage of um, all departments and hospitals. You know, Cabell Huntington Hospital, where we're on strike in 2018, they bought the other hospital across town called St. Mary's Medical Center. They spent $147 million um, to purchase that hospital to create Mountain Health Network. And so that's it. That's what you got in Huntington, West Virginia now is Cabell or St. Mary's who are both um, both part of the Mountain Health Network. And that's when we started to see drastic changes in the hospital. They brought an out-of-state CEO in who wanted to just uh, slash benefits, um, wages. And these, these were two hospitals where you know, people enjoyed working where people actually like they were the places you wanted to come to work for health care. And the number of, of employees that both hospitals have lost since um, when that happened in, in you know, 2018, when it was created, it, it just everything started shifting and changing. And, and I think if you talk to workers, they'll tell you when they saw the change is when Mountain Health was created. Um, and that's when it seemed like nobody cared. Cavill's, um, was always, and still they call themselves partners for life. But what workers here will tell you is that they're no longer partners for life, that people don't feel that way anymore. They feel like they are definitely not treated the same, that now they're just a number and not a person. Then I met three hospital workers, Yvonne from before and Heather Whitman and Elizabeth Puckett. Why are we out here? Um, well, there's a lot of takeaways on the table. And, um, I think pretty much all of us feel like if the hospital's going to progress, then the workers should progress as well. And the package they presented us is a, uh, with all the things they want us to pay for, is a 10 to 13 percent pay cut for everyone, depending on how much you work or how much you make. So, um, with the CARES Act money that they got, uh, the 47 million that they got in CARES Act money. They have $1 billion in assets. They're spending $50 million on a new building. They spent $1.75 million on naming rights at the Civic Center. 
They're buying up all of Huntington, all the other doctor's offices and the hospitals. Um, so it's clear that it's corporate greed. And we're just trying to keep the same way of living that we're used to and not have to go backwards. We're not asking for anything more. Trying to take away our, um, our retirees' health care benefits that they worked for years. I mean, they, they base their income off of the fact that, um, you know, they were promised to have health care when they retired from here up to a certain age, and now they want to, to take that away from them. Um, they put, these people put their, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into this facility and was made a promise. And um, again, our, our nurses, our LPNs, our CNAs, our secretaries, our lab people, our housekeeping, our food service, all these departments, plus so many more. I mean, um, all of our brothers and sisters um, worked through this pandemic. They put their lives on the line, not knowing from day to day, you know, what they were walking into. They take stuff home to their families, not knowing if they're taking something home that it's gonna cause them to lose a family member. We've, we've lost members, we've lost um, family members to COVID, but our people have stepped up, they stood up and they took care of this community through the worst pandemic, the worst thing that could hit us ever. And they, they rose up and they gave their time. They stayed over. They made sure that things was cleaned and, and procedures was followed and they took care of our families. And um, this is the thanks we get. I think it's the year of the worker, not the year of the boss. Workers all over the country are fighting for a living wage rights on the job, voice on the job, and corporate greed is rampant all over this nation, and especially in healthcare. Um, it's a big business. It's not about caring for the patient, it's about billing the patient and getting money back billing your insurance, it's about how much, you know, how we can write this one off, it's all about the money. We've had a situation in a, here where I live in East Kentucky where the, the healthcare company that consolidated the hospitals in that area was suing patients for bills and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, we might have a $6 bill in there, not even know about it, and then get 30 days later, get a collection notice. They spend more money processing bills for dollar fifty or you know anything under twenty five dollars, spend more money labor hours, getting trying to get a five dollar bill back, and, and the third party biller that's the collection agency that's in the middle of it. I mean, uh, it's just uh, petty. I mean, it's not like we're not going to pay our bills, but you know. I don't know of any company that turns you over after 30 days. Even utilities company, I think, gives you 90. But sometimes you don't even know you have a bill. By the time your insurance pays for it, you know, by the time they decide if they're going to pay for it and you've been billed and they bill the insurance, that could be 60 days. So 
Well, I'm, I'm a single parent, and it, it's hard in this economy to, uh, you know, raise a child and give them the things that they need to grow and learn. And, and uh, you work hard all your life, and you pay your bills, and you try to do the right thing, and, and you just uh, expect to be treated fairly and given a good wage and to, to, to stand up on your own and, and to be able to take care of yourself and your, and your own bills and uh, be a contributing member of society and, and uh, the community. And it's hard to do that when you are just constantly struggling to, to break even, you know, especially when you work really hard and, and you take pride in your work and paying and paying your own way and being a part. So it's just, it's just uh, terrible that big companies like this don't see the community and the workers as uh, a value. They don't respect us in any way and, and we're part of the team and we're a big part of the team and we're important and we should be treated that way. I just think that we want everyone to know uh, the whole community um, all across West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky that um, we did not take this decision lightly. Um, being, like I said, committee members, we spent many hours at the table and uh, many conversations. And um, so it was not, a, you know, a split second knee-jerk reaction we uh, we cried a lot we prayed a lot and um, we want to go back to work we love our community we love our patients we love what we do uh, in our you know separate job categories but we also need to be respected and we need to be taken care of by that corporation the way they are taking care of themselves. Um, we look forward to the day that we can walk back in there, um, but until an agreement is reached, we will continue to march on and, and fight for the respect and dignity that we all deserve. Thank you so much. On December 1st, hospital workers voted to end their strike with a compromise deal. Some workers were satisfied with the outcome, sick of sitting out in the cold and ready to start bringing wages home to their families again. Others were concerned that the wins weren't enough. The agreed-upon 2% raise across the board still does not account for inflation, and retirees will now be given a $250 stipend instead of health insurance. At United Steelworkers, the strike continues. Almost three months in, with no deal in sight, USW40 says they're prepared to dig in for the holidays. Negotiations continue on December 14th and 15th. WMMT is working on stories about workplace issues in Appalachia, and we'd like to hear from you. Where do you work? What kinds of issues have you seen come up during COVID-19? What do you wish the public knew about your job? Drop me a line at katie at appleshop.org. That's K-A-T-I-E at A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P dot O-R-G. 
That's all for today's Mountain Talk. Today, you heard from union organizers and striking workers with United Steelworkers Local 40 and the Special Metals Alloy Plant, and from SEIU Local 1199 at the Cabell Huntington Hospital. From all of us at Real People Radio, thanks for listening. This story is part of the America Amplified Initiative. America Amplified is a national public media collaboration focused on community engagement reporting.